What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and it's been a hot minute since I last interviewed somebody on my show, so I'm super excited to bring on this fantastic individual. Say hello to Mila. Mila, say hello. Hello. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I always like to start my shows off with like really easy questions to get like the juices flowing. So the first easy question is what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh my gosh, that's actually a really hard question. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> it's funny, like when I ask that question to anybody, even my clients, they're like, oh my God, I'm not prepared for this question. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> that's like the toughest question. Right? Um. Probably a little bit of work, a little bit of rest, uh, just taking it easy. It's summer here in Switzerland, so to go out chilling by the lake is the best way to spend the weekend. Okay, so for those people who don't know, in Switzerland, what's like the thing to do during the summer? Go and chill by the lake. <laughs> nice, there you go. Yeah, um, we have lots of mountains, so hiking is also great. We have events going on around the lake and in different uh, villages here. So it's a really great time to be here. Awesome. There you go. Um, second easy question, what is the current book you're reading or listening to? These are all the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so at the moment... I am not reading a book. I've been really busy with work. Mm -hmm. um, and the last book I read was marketing related. Nice. Um, one of the things that we're working on right now is um, uh, the business that we've just launched. And so I've just been kind of dabbling and getting some inspiration for marketing and ideas. And so that was the re most recent uh, book I read. However, I do listen to podcasts, and one of my favorites, it's not really reading, it's listening, is the Andrew Huberman podcasts, mm -hmm. and he talks all things about training, uh, longevity, health, and I really enjoy those. Nice. Yeah, I find that a lot more people are listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and I feel so old school because, like, I, I don't know, I love holding on to something and, like, actually reading it, and yeah. the people who know me really well, like, I probably go through about 20 books a year. And I kind of like alternate between like a training book, some personal development, marketing, business, things like that. But yeah, mm -hmm. mo most people are just like podcasts and like audiobooks. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like a dinosaur. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I said I read a book, I actually meant I listened to a book. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so last easy question, hopefully. Um, what was the last TV series you watched or movie? Um, that we do a lot of. I think one of the last uh, good shows that we watched um, just this past week was Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. So they've recently released and it came out on Netflix. So that was um, one. Uh, I really enjoy those. The new season I wasn't too crazy on, but I kind of think I understood what they were going towards. Um, that was a series, a movie. You know what? I watched a movie recently, but I can't remember the name, so I probably wasn't that great. No, fair enough. Like I, I like Black Mirror. I haven't watched the new season yet, but like all the previous seasons, like those episodes are so good, but also so scary at the same time. Like, yeah, it yeah. really makes you think, and like, yeah, it sometimes gives you like creepy feelings that it could happen. 
so the new season's not like that. I won't sp uh, spoil it. So if you watch it, let me know. But it's very different. Awesome. Um, so let's kind of get things rolling. And I always like to start off with like introduction. So mm -hmm. if you can kind of tell the audience like who you are, what you do, and how did you get into the fitness industry in the first place? Okay, so my name is Mila. I, um, I was born in Ukraine, grew up in Africa, in Zimbabwe, and now I live in Switzerland. And my fitness journey didn't start until much later. Um, I was about 25 years old where I reached a point where I needed some, some sort of gentle strengthening for my body because it wasn't cooperating with me anymore. And I started, that's when I actually discovered Pilates. And I dived into that and I fell in love with the method and decided to basically quit my uh, corporate job and do, it, be a, do a training to become a Pilates instructor, which I did. And that was where things started. And over the years, it has grown into FRC, LDOA, um, and a few other things. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, the brief introduction. And the biggest motivation was that I needed it at the time. And when I found these training methods, I realized that the benefit they could offer to so many people and that I wasn't alone in my journey. I wasn't the only person at the age of 25 who had experienced something physically challenging that required um, a much more gentle approach to strengthening my body. And that's how things started. And I've honestly been obsessed with all of the methods that I train ever since. Uh, and now I teach clients at a, a physio center in the village where I live in Switzerland. And I help them with back pain, hip issues, and all of those uh, musculoskeletal um, problems that they may be facing. Nice. So I'm going to try to unpack all of that. So I'm kind of curious, like, how did you make your way to Switzerland in the first place? Um. It's a good question. So I was in Zimbabwe um, pretty much most of my um, uh, early early years. And when deciding when to go to university, I really felt I had to leave and explore something different. Uh, so I found I initially wanted to do hotel management and work in the hospitality industry because I thought, what a great way to see the world. There has to be more to the world than, um, than where I am. And I found a school in Switzerland and I thought, okay, Switzerland's not in Africa. Sounds great. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really the biggest motivation is to see the world, discover it a little bit. And then when I came here, I studied, work took me in a different direction. I actually lived in Canada for, for two oh, years. Nice. Yeah. Which I would love to know where in Canada <laughs> you live. Uh, out in Vancouver. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I was in Toronto and Montreal. I visited Vancouver briefly just for holidays. Mm -hmm. um, and life led me back to Switzerland with my husband. Um, he works here and now I work here. Nice. So was there like kind of like a culture shock going from Africa to Switzerland? Because I'm like super curious about that too. <laughs> completely, completely. I feel like Canadians are much closer to um, Africans, or at least the Southern African culture. Like, it's very polite, very kind. You know, you kind of greet. Um, it's you're very polite in how you approach mm -hmm. people. In Switzerland, it's a bit colder. People are a little more reserved. And I think initially when I moved here, it was a it was a big culture shock. Um, 
in many ways, you know, hospitality, um, price of things in Switzerland is pretty impressive. You know? <laughs> that was a shock too. Um, yeah, I think it really is a very big difference from Zimbabwe. Uh, but it comes with a lot of perks as well. So, you know, you live in a country where things work. I always think of it as like, you know, have you seen the B movie, the cartoon? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> where everything kind of works and uh, it just flows so smoothly. So I feel like that's Switzerland. So that was a positive culture shock is how, how good the country is, how safe it is. You know, safety in Zimbabwe versus Switzerland is very different. Um, and so there's been some negative things like the coldness of, of, I guess, people and culture, but the safety, the, you know, the beauty of Switzerland is incredible. You look out the window, you have the Mont Blanc, you see the Alps, it's incredible. Awesome. Um, so, and I'm also kind of curious too, like what kind of got you into Pilates in the first place and maybe kind of educate my audience on Pilates, what it is, how does it differ from, say, yoga or any other kind of movement practice? You know, I would love to do that because a lot of people say, oh, Pilates is just like yoga. And I'm like, yeah. no, <laughs> not at all. Um, yoga is great in its own right, but it's just different. Um, so when I was about 25, I was working in the corporate world and my body just wasn't cooperating with me. And I was going through some um, pains in the body that I knew I needed to address, but I wasn't going to address them with yoga. It wasn't specific enough. Running wasn't going to really help me. I was doing a little bit of boxing just for like fitness back then. And I knew I had to stop that. It was not the right thing for my back, my hips. Um, and that's when I started to kind of look, what can I do that is gentle enough for my joints, but challenging at the same time and um just as somebody told me about pilates i had no idea but i thought whatever i'll give it a go i googled it you got my interest i attended some classes i loved it and then i went right away for private sessions because i wanted to deep dive into it um, and you know it I can't say nothing fixes you, but over time, I really felt like it addressed all those little things step by step, and I couldn't quite describe how exactly it did it, but it got the job done. So I felt really strong in a quite a short period of time, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. And that's where the journey started. I knew I wanted to learn more for myself, um, and that's how we ended up going to Canada for my husband's work. And I took the opportunity to go to Toronto and study at the Mary Thieu, um headquarters there, Start Pilates. And basically, the similarity between yoga and Pilates is that they're both uh, mind-body forms of practice. But Pilates has some inspiration of yoga. It has some inspiration of boxing, of weightlifting. So there's a lot, uh, a stronger emphasis on strength core, pelvic floor, uh, you work on isolating joints, then integrating them uh, and addressing muscle imbalance, improving balance and posture as well. So the biggest difference I'd say is it's more strength training than yoga, even though you do see some exercises that look similar.
Okay, fair enough. Do you, do you know kind of like the history behind Pilates, like how it started? Because I'm always the type of person where, you know, if I see a concept, I really want to like start peeling back the layers to see where it originally came from. So I'm kind of curious if you know any of the history behind Pilates. Should have told me to prepare for this. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I remember some. So it was started by Joseph Pilates. And in the beginning, it was called Contrology. So the, the art of control, controlling your body. And I want to, I, I can't remember exactly when or where, and Pilates instructors are going to hate me for this, but it just slipped my mind. But he started to rehab, I believe it was um, during um, one of the wars that he started to help soldiers re with rehab. So a lot of these people were bedridden, so how do you strengthen someone then? So he attached springs onto the bed frames so that people can start working the arms and same for the legs. And over time, that's why a lot of Pilates equipment looked like chairs and beds. So he used practical tools to help people regain strength. And he himself grew up, he was um, quite sick growing up. He had um, a few issues and he found relief through movement. So he was in uh, weightlifting, he did some weightlifting, yoga, martial arts. He used all of those forms of practice and turned it into his own method, which was Contrology. He then went to the US where he opened up a studio and it kind of blew up uh, there. And that's why North America is at quite, or it picked up on Pilates and it exploded there before it moved to the rest of the world. Now, see, that's pretty cool because when I started kind of peeling back like the layers to every kind of form of exercise, it, it's interesting to see how people's like thought processes go because they all kind of have a different method, but they all get people to the same end goal. So mm -hmm. like when I see trainers in the fitness industry saying like this way or no way, and I'm like, come on, you're kind of missing the point. Like, and, and every person's a, a different than the person on the left on or on the right of you. And everyone has different needs. So I think as trainers, it's almost like you have to kind of explore everything and maybe yeah. pick the parts that work better for this person or better for that person rather than being like mm -hmm. this all the time. <laughs> Absolutely, because sometimes you have to think outside the box, right? We can all be very rigid with rules, but then when we start applying them and we realize that rules don't work, you know, it's not so simple. And I think, you know, at least in Joseph Pilates way, he saw that what he had these elements or these lessons that he learned through his other forms of training. And then he took what he knew and he put it together because he had to break a few rules to create his own. Yeah. And I, I love that because I think a lot of these things also come from personal experience. So, you know, when somebody suffers pain, they go and explore more because they, they say there has to be more. It has to make more sense. And I love that because people start to dig further. And that's when people start to discover new things and start breaking these, you know, conceptions of right and wrong to then what's good for this body, what's not good for this body, and how do we adapt from there? So now I'm kind of curious, so when you took your FRC, how much of that stuff kind of overlapped with Pilates or the other way around? Like, did you find any similarities or what did you kind of find from that? 
You know, FRC was mind-blowing for me. It was such a crazy amount of knowledge because I did it online during COVID. I don't mm -hmm. know how, how you've done it. Um, and they provided a lot of material online. And I was so overwhelmed. And I found not overwhelmed in a nice way. Like I was like, wow, this is so incredible. I found it very complimentary. And I think it helped to answer some of the questions I had with Pilates. So Pilates is a set repertoire that they teach you. And then they teach you how to adapt, modify, and explore and play around a little bit, at least in the contemporary world, because there's also the classical, which is much more strict. Whereas FRC doesn't really teach you exercise. It shows you exercise. It teaches you the logic. It teaches you to think what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you can play around with exactly what kind of exercise you want to uh, do for that. So it was very complementary. The overlapping for me, I'd say, was minimal. I think FRC explained a lot of questions that I had. It made Pilates make a lot of sense to me, actually, or the flow of things, or why certain things are done in certain order. I didn't have the answer for them before FRC. And that really, I thought I had like a base work of knowledge, and that just kind of dug roots into that. Um, and I think Right now, even though I call myself a Pilates instructor a lot, many of my clients know the core or the concepts of movement that we explore really come from my FRC knowledge. Yeah, it's interesting. Like people like Dr. Andrew Spina, like I've seen other instructors like him where they provide all this great knowledge, but they don't give you like step-by-step -step processes. Here's a list of exercises to do. It's more like here's the information and now run with it. Yeah. And it's like, I, I love following like the Kin Stretch Instagram page because you see all these instructors around the world taking those concepts and getting so creative. And you're mm -hmm. like, holy crap, like you guys are amazing. Because like yeah. I took my FRC in 2018, I think. Mm -hmm. And when COVID shut down the world, I started teaching Kin Stretch online five days a week. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, people are going to get bored doing like the cars routine that you like learn in the course. So I had to almost like put on my creative goggles and mm -hmm. figure out different variations. And that kind of opened up a lot of doors. And I really liked FRC, Kin Stretch and all their, all their courses because they give you the platform to be creative. And I think that's what we kind of need in our fitness industry. Cause yeah. you know, if you go to any major big box gym, it's like, here's the squat, here's the deadlift, here's the bench press, that's all that there is. And I'm like, no, there's so much more. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of value in people who do that. So with FRC, I really found the training to be such a great value for money and time because you learn so much. And you see a lot of FRC people agree on one thing, is that it's not black and white, mm -hmm. you know, because they have the in-depth knowledge. Whereas a lot of training uh, or a lot of like, fitness training or courses that, you know, took, uh, I don't know, a weekend where people just learned a set uh, repertoire and that's what they do. Those are mainly the people that are stuck with the right and wrong concept. From my opinion, I could be wrong from my experience because they don't understand the why of the exercises. And FRC gives you the why, it shows you the how, but encourages you to be a little bit creative and think for yourself. And I think once you apply those, uh, that thinking process, you start to go beyond the right and wrong and you start to doing what the body needs, what you're identifying. And I love that. I think it's, it's honestly such a great training uh, that any instructor can take and any client can uh, 
understand you know, their body better rather than just do this exercise like this? My, my question is always, but why? Yeah, because it's, it's funny because like I've been in this industry for 13 years and I've like gone through different types of gyms. And the one thing that I've kind of realized is that people will work out through pain and they think that's normal. Yeah. And I'm like, if an exercise hurts, don't do that exercise. There's like a million different exercises out there. And it just goes to show that like as an industry as a whole, like we have to do a better job to educate people that there are other options out there to get out of pain. And it's also kind of difficult too, because I get questions on Instagram all the time, like my shoulder hurts, what should I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know your background. I don't know your medical history. I don't know what you did to your shoulder. It's kind of hard to give you like, here's an exercise that's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. And I think when people start understanding that their body is a more complex system than mm -hmm. I downloaded this program online, it's going to fix everything. So yes. I guess this is going to lead into my next question of, you know, how, how often do people reach out to you going, I have back pain, I have this thing, what should I do? Mm -hmm. uh, as, as you were talking, actually, that's exactly what I thought as you know, this concept of like, my back hurts or I have sciatica, can you give me an exercise? You know, and that happens a lot. And I, I understand why somebody would ask that because I think the fitness world um, has really done a poor job communicating to people um, pain and exercise. You know, we have, we all know no pain, no gain, you know, that, that uh, quote, and it's rubbish, but it's so ingrained into people's minds or fix this, or if you have fixed this with an easy stretch or this exercise and we've conditioned because it's marketing right and you see it's it's clickbait uh, and so instructors that utilize this clickbait know that fix the fix your sciatica with the stretch is going to get them you know millions of views and they use that and of course as a well-intentioned consumer who's suffering from sciatica you want an answer to your question and you're constantly given the quick fix that never works so you're trying to look for the next quick fix and your mentality is, I need the quick fix. Um, so when people approach me, it is, it's tricky in the beginning because I can't give a clickbait answer back. I need to know what, and I wanted to actually jump on and say, this is why I love your account so much um, is because even in the recent series, you go and explain, you know, shoulder issue, if you have this, or if you have this diagnosis of this pain, this could be it, rather than something clickbaity and a lie. So honest accounts like, like yours, for example, and you know, there's many great instructors that communicate this, needs to be pushed out, in my opinion, more and more so that the expectation is correct. But you know, even in, in my family, it's like, oh, Mila, I have neck pain, can you give me this? And, I always have to have what kind can you I need you to have a diagnosis if you're having like radiating pain it's irresponsible for an instructor to be try this or you have this do this because you're talking about somebody's well-being about their health about their body like their vessel in which they walk and run and play with their kids you can't be so irresponsible so my answers are usually much longer and I know that I lose some people's attention because I'm not willing to give a quick fix. I don't believe in those. Um, so yeah, how I address them, I try to be as honest as I can. And the way that I see it, 
the person that disengages or the client that I see and I didn't like give them something super hard, they cured the sciatica, but they got to sweat and they felt like they pumped their body, then those are not the right clients for me either. You know, I'm just as selective because if I'm going to help someone and educate them, I want to be with somebody who's there to listen and to learn. So yeah, I, I, give the, I give the most honest answer that I can. I always refer someone to a specialist if they need to go there. Um, and I try to play a responsible role um, in this industry because I think it's, it's been twisted um, for the benefit of social media likes and follows. And I don't like that. So that's how I handle it. And I know that a lot of people will drop off. But I know that people there who are truly there to make themselves better, who are tired of the quick fixes, do stay. And so most of my clients are very loyal and I've been with them for a long time, which in the end, as an instructor, is kind of what you want. Somebody that, you're, that you know is going to be with you for, for the long run as well. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because like even for myself, like I have a handful of clients that have been with me for like 10 years that are in person and to a point where they've all told me that I'm not allowed to move anywhere <laughs> because they're like, there isn't anyone like out, out there in yeah. the world like you. And funny enough, I had a client who ended up moving to Australia and now I'm training her online. And yeah. the three years that we weren't training together, she said that she couldn't find someone like me out in mm -hmm. Australia. And it just kind of goes to show like once you kind of find your tribe of people, they will yes. stick with you forever. And like, I mentor coaches all the time. And I always tell them like, once you kind of find your like little niche, like the most important thing is to be able to connect with another individual. Mm -hmm. And the moment you can connect to that person beyond the training, they're going to stick with you forever. So then you don't have to constantly worry about like, oh, I need to like get 10 new clients this month. I need to get 20 clients by the end of the year. And then you're always worried about money and you're just yeah. discrediting like your own service. But yeah. um, I guess the next question I kind of wanted to ask you was like, do you train people in person still online? Like how do you kind of structure your career that way? So I trained uh, only in person uh, before COVID. And of course, as you know, COVID made us all go a little bit um, digital. So I started working online then. And then when the um, restrictions started coming off and people started going uh, back to the studio, I stayed both. So I have uh, clients that live very close to where I am. They could come into the studio, but they prefer the comfort of being at home. So I still teach online. I still teach in person. Online allows me to access more people. So I try to do a combination of two. I've also, um, in the past two years, uh, thought of how can I create this personalized approach? Uh, no, how can I give this personalized approach to more people? that of course want to train um, with people like me. And we've created, I, um, I work with a small team of people and we've created an algorithm and launched an app that does personalized programs um, for people, exercise programs. So I do in person, online, and through the app that we have just launched. Nice, how, how long did it take you to actually get that app going? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't want to say <laughs> longer than what I would have hoped for. Um, uh, about two years, because like I said, we have, we have quite, it was, it was a little bit tricky with the algorithm because we wanted to get it right. You know, I don't believe in quantity work. I don't believe in doing something half effort. If you're going to do something, do it 
properly. And so that's what we did. We created an algorithm that we are really proud of, um, and that took some time. So we, we, we started um, about two years ago, and we've just gone live with the app uh, that's working really well, um, and an algorithm that we are proud, my team and I are proud to actually say to our clients or to anyone that contacts us, that can see us for that cannot see us for a private session, or um, pay a private Zoom class. They still have access to personalized uh, training programs on there. Awesome. So, uh, some yeah. So maybe for the last question, if people wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where they can find you online, and if you have any projects coming out or anything else you want to promote on my show, you can right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, we've just went live with Incorpo Studio, and you'll be able to find the link to that in my bio on Instagram. So Mila underscore Aleshina underscore. Um, there you'll be able to check out the website, uh, my team, what we have done and how we do it. We're really thrilled. We're also on the Google and Microsoft stores, hopefully soon in the app stores too. To check it out, we have a free membership because we wanted really to break through this quick fix um, mentality that's for free or the very expensive, good quality stuff. So we wanted to find a middle ground and we have a limited um, free membership where people can actually get started. So I would love for people to check that out and if they have questions to write to me. I'm on, I'm constantly in communications with I really enjoyed. I actually don't feel nervous like I did in the beginning, so I appreciate that. Thank you.